Welcome to the Vineyard Church Message of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information on this podcast or other resources, go to vineyardlive.us. To learn more about us, go to thevineyardchurch.us. good to worship together, isn't it? In person and online. You know, uh, several years ago, I overheard some teenagers talking, and one of them said, I got totally wrecked. And I remember at the time thinking, is he messed up on drugs? Or like, was he in a car accident? (laughs) And then I discovered, no, he was actually talking about encountering God during a worship service, and that encounter touched him so powerfully, he was wrecked. (laughs) Well, that stuck with me, so much so that I used that word in the title of my new book, Wrecked for God, the Uh, surprising secret to true transformation, which is also the title of our new message series. You see, for me, encountering the dynamic, loving God of the universe who actually has chosen to move inside of us has wrecked me for good and continues to wreck me, to actually bring true transformation. Now, if you think about it, isn't it just audacious that God could fit in any of us, right? It's crazy, but it's totally true. You know, Jesus himself said, apart from me, you actually can do nothing. And I think most of us have probably already discovered that truth along the way, but maybe we didn't know what to do about it. How do we actually live with the God of the universe inside of us? How do we live in union with this God. He comes to empower us through his spirit. There's a lot of mystery. I'm not going to be the expert here. I am going to share about 40 years of experience of trying to understand and experience this truth that I know apart from him, I can do nothing. Particularly, you know, here at this church, we say we want to be naturally supernatural disciples. Folks, you can't do that without the living God in you and through you, okay? So I'm going to share some lessons. Uh, we'll have other preachers and speakers. We have the mid-sized group, the small groups, the book clubs. All that to say, this is not an overnight overhaul, okay? Uh, seven weeks won't do the trick, but it's a step in the right direction, and so we want to invite you because true transformation takes time and trust, It actually takes a lot of time and a lot of trust. And I'm going to add togetherness. I can't live the Christian life on my own. I I need other believers. And uh, so if you don't yet know Jesus, I pray that today or throughout the next few weeks, you encounter this incredible God who wants to move inside of you and empower you to live a transformed life. Okay, now we... Three of the most important lessons, and I'll reiterate these over and over, but I think it's important to state up front. When God moves in, it's permanent. You know, and that's, that's, uh, you know, for many of you, you, you've come from broken homes, or you've been in relationships where people have left. 
The fact that God loves you so much, he's never going to leave you. Makes so much difference. He never, ever, ever is going to leave. Secondly, he always loves. Always. Now, that's not gushy, like soft love. It can be tough love too. But I'm thankful for tough love, right? And then I want you to know that this oneness with him, this union with him, it's already accomplished. And that's all because of the finished work of Jesus. You might not feel it. You, you're, you might be confused by it, but it's not some ladder you have to climb. Okay, if I want to get there. The pinnacle is union with Christ, oneness with Christ. It's like, no, it's already done. Now it's going to take some time to learn to live in that truth, and that's what we're going to do. Now, I want to encourage you, of course, buy the book, but you need to know I don't get any money from it. <laughs> it goes right back into the ministry. And we will be referring to different chapters as we go along, but most importantly, our text for the entire series is, of course, the Bible. And specifically, we're going to look at the letter to the Colossians, and I'm excited about that. And so soak in Colossians, you know, buy the book. If you're an audible uh, listener, I really do like the woman who read the audible version. Uh, never met her personally, but she captured my heart. And uh, you can download that for free, actually, on the Hoopla app. Uh, but most importantly, let's invite the Holy Spirit to teach us. And I bless your soaking in the scripture as he brings true transformation. Father, you're such a good, good father. You really are. You know how to teach us and train us and transform us. You make it all possible by actually living inside of us. Lord, I know I want to continue to be wrecked for you and for good. And I ask, Holy Spirit, you work in our hearts today, our minds, our ears to hear. Teach us. Thank you that you never leave us. You always love us. And you're continuing to bring transformation even right now today. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I have long sought to know, is there a secret to living a fulfilling, victorious, overcoming life as a Christian. And in now, like 40 years down the road and being a lot older, I realize actually in many ways it's been God's call on my life. Like a, a destiny that he assigned that I would just not give up, that I would continue to pursue the truth of what the scripture makes so clear. But my frustration has been fueled by something that, not just me, many people call the gap. Okay? Let me explain what that is. It's that gap between what we see the scripture shows is to be our life as a disciple of Jesus. You know, a life of joy, a life of peace, a li life of power, of love. And yet, then we look at our own life, we're like, there's a huge gap <laughs> between the reality of what the scripture shows and what we live day by day. So that has often frustrated me. Um, you know, I'll just give you an example. This is from, you know, years ago when my third son was in high school, my son Jay, who actually goes to church here. So it's 8 o'clock in the morning. He's already left for school. I get a phone call, and it's Jay, and he goes, Mom, I've had an accident. Now, you think the Christian thing would be, oh, honey, oh, yes, oh, okay, tell me. I am furious. You want to know why? It's the third accident in one month since turning 16. 
And I figure if, he ha if he's well enough to call me, the dude is okay. The point is I'm not actually responding in a Christian manner, okay? Like, and that's a funny one, but you can just think about your life. There's more, much more serious issues that all of us have dealt with where the gap is there. You know, like a lingering depression that just doesn't go away. And you can't rejoice in the Lord. Or maybe you're a person who, like, I'm doing all the right things and nothing goes right. That's frustrating. Or how about just scrolling on Facebook or Instagram and suddenly that monster jealousy starts screaming in your ear and you're like, you compare and you're, you're angry, you're... And of course, you've all lived through 2020 and now 2021. We're, we're fearful, we're anxious of the violence, the uncertainty. There's a gap. Okay, so is there a secret <laughs> to tapping into the truth of the scripture of having a life of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit? Yes, there is a secret. And... I want you to know, though, I am thankful. I am thankful for everything that the Holy Spirit has wrought in my life. And there's always that fine line of being thankful and then still being frustrated about things not quite <laughs> measuring up or that gap being closed. Okay, so please hear me say I am thankful. So several years ago, I was challenged by a woman Bible teacher who was here, and she said, write down what do you think is the secret to the Christian life? And I actually don't remember what I wrote. It was back in the 80s. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure, though, I could tell you what I probably wrote. It was probably something like 24-hour prayer, three nights a week, you know, fasting five out of seven days, giving up all my desires, everything I want, truly dying to self, being willing to go to Antarctica. In other words, I was so bound by religion and striving and trying to be some perfect Christian that, uh, <laughs> you know, that would have been my response. Oh, that's the secret. You know, then God will be pleased with me. And she chuckled as we all shared because we all had the wrong answer. She said, oh, no, the secret's just revealed right in here. It, the Apostle Paul makes it really, really clear. It's like, oh, Yes, and if you don't know who the Apostle Paul is, he wrote most of the New Testament. But what's really important to know, as the one who was trusted with the secret to transformation, is what you need to know, is before he was the Apostle Paul, he was the terrorist Saul. You all know what terrorism is in our day and age. You know who a terrorist is, one who kills, who's violent, who hates who does evil things, and that's exactly what the Apostle Paul, formerly Saul, did all in the name of God, by the way. That is until he encountered Jesus. <laughs> and then his life gets turned upside down, inside out, as Jesus transforms him and reveals to him, this is the secret to transformation. So I, well, he got wrecked. <laughs> he got wrecked for God and for good. And so he details that, that secret and lots of the nuances to it in the letter to the Colossians. It's actually all over the letters that he wrote, but specifically, we're going to look at the letter to the Colossians. And I like that because 
that obviously was written to the church at Colossae. So it's written to people, people like us, in the first century, though, and he commends them for their faith and their love. And I love the prayers that are in Colossians, the prayers that he prays. And I love how he exalts Jesus all throughout that book. But then he says, I know some of you, you're being drawn away. You know, there's been philosophies and, you know, different uh, beliefs and even uh, more like ascetic practices that you think are going to improve on your, your walk with Jesus. He goes, no, 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 no. Let me rem remind you there is a secret to the Christian life. And so that's where I'm going to turn right now to Colossians 1, 26. We'll be on the screen and I am reading in the Passion Translation, and I'll tell you why. Brian Simmons, the translator of the Passion, has a full revelation of what it means to live in union with Jesus Christ. And so that's reflected as he translates the Bible, the Greek, the Aramaic, and I love it. It's a little wordy, but it's, it's powerful. Okay, here we go. Colossians 1, 26. Paul says, There is a divine mystery a secret surprise that has been concealed from the world for generations, but now it's being revealed, unfolded, manifested for every holy believer to experience. Living within you is the Christ who floods you with the expectation of glory. This mystery of Christ embedded within us becomes a heavenly treasure chest of hope filled with the riches of glory for his people and God wants everyone to know it. That's a mouthful. We won't have time to break it all down, so listen up. This is a divine mystery. It's from God. It was a secret surprise. Secret and mystery in the Greek are synonymous. They're the same word. But what do they connote? That, you know, there might, hmm, you don't understand it all. You maybe won't figure it out. You, you might have to trust the Holy Spirit for some revelation, right? Because it is a mystery. So much of our faith is very mysterious. I don't know if that's good news or bad news. But you want to know why? Because it takes faith to embrace mystery. Faith in him. It keeps us dependent on him. So, this is a divine mystery, a secret surprise that was hidden. It's been concealed, but now revealed. Well, what, what caused it to be revealed? Well, it's because the finished work of Jesus, <laughs> where he shed his blood, rose again, ascended on high, sent forth his Holy Spirit, made it possible for this secret to be revealed that God now wants to move inside of us. Why? Because now we're a fit dwelling place for him. It's just beautiful. And he goes on, he says, this floods us with the expectation of glory. Now, don't like trip over that word glory, like, oh, it's kind of woo-woo-woo. No, it simply means it gives us a hope and expectation to reflect the image of God. That wherever we go, we can reflect this is God's love. This is his power. This is his peace. This is his truth. See, that was the father's design from the beginning. He would have sons and daughters who would reflect who he is, who would reflect his glory. Well, this secret gives us that hope of that being accomplished as transformation has worked in our lives. 
It's a God-given desire. I love that. He puts that desire. This isn't just something I made up or some author made up. This is from God, and he wants everyone to know it. This isn't just for super spiritual people or people who go to Bible college or seminary. No, this is for everybody. So, so good. You know, people have long desired to know the secret, right? The secret to a good life, not just Christians. People want to know the secret. And how do I know that? Well, in 2006, there was a book published called The Secret. And I don't know if any of you read it. I did. I bought it because it purported, purported to be based on the Bible. And The Secret sold over 30 million copies, made over $300 million. <laughs> they did a film to accompany it. And it was translated into 50 languages. People, I'll... I'll do well if my book sells 500 copies. Okay, just in comparison. And that's okay. I'm just saying people were attracted to this. Well, what was the secret? Don't you want to know? What is the secret that's causing people, you know, to lap this thing up? Well, the secret is none other than the law of attraction. Oh, you want a spouse? Okay, then this is what you do. Think. Handsome, beautiful spouse. Speak. Handsome, beautiful spouse, mm, you attract it. Oh, you need a million dollars? Think, million dollars. Speak, million dollars. You know, you need a headache healed? Okay, I could go on. I'm being a, a tad facetious, but the entire book is based on positive thinking and positive confession. Now, I'll be the first to tell you those are biblical concepts, okay? Positive thinking and positive confession are very powerful. But what was... The difference with this secret and the secret that Paul revealed, the secret in that book was, you know, just me, I got this, very self-centered. The secret we're talking about, it's not just me. It's Jesus in me, and it's very Savior-centered. Whew, you can't go wrong with that. Okay, so, yeah, I would clap for that, too. <laughs> I'm going to go back to the Colossians text again. Let's pick back up on 27. Living within you is the Christ who floods you with the expectation of glory. This mystery of Christ embedded within us becomes a heavenly treasure chest of hope filled with the riches of glory for his people. And God wants everyone to know it. I mean, that description... I mean, who wouldn't want in on it? And for many of us, when we read that, we go, oh my goodness, the gap is huge. <laughs> you know, I don't see my life in that way. Now, I want to be sure you understand a couple things. Again, I remind you, it's a mystery. So it's not that it's all going to understand, have it figured out. It is a mystery. We have one God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. That's a mystery, the Trinity, okay? And this one God comes to live inside of us. And I know often in the scriptures it's pictured as just the spirit of Christ living within us, but as you study, you realize actually the entire Trinity has taken up residence in us. Now, this is really important. I'm not saying we become God. I'm not saying we become absorbed into God. When we, we talk about you know, being one with God or in union with God. It's much more like my union with my husband, Happy. We're two, still two separate people, but we're one. 
okay? It's an imperfect analogy, but it helps explain it a little bit. So we are partakers of the divine nature, but we're not divine, okay? And people have kind of gone, you know, off the deep end with some of this, but no. God himself has moved inside of us. We're not God or equal with God. As a matter of fact, I love this. We get to maintain our own unique personality. Yeah, you stay you, which might not be good news to you, but you, you stay you, I stay me, but with the transformation that God is bringing, with the assigned destiny, with the assigned personality that he assigned you, Jeremiah tells us, even before you were in your mother's womb. And then, of course, sin and Satan and all the craziness of our lives mess that up. But thankfully, <laughs> you get to stay you and become who God has made you to be. You know, I was raised in a faith that I often say they were only interested in Christian clones. You know, we all looked alike, dressed alike, talked alike. I mean, that wasn't totally true, but that was the sense. You're like a religious robot. No, it's such good news to know I get to be me. I get to be the Diane that he created. Now, that takes some time. Again, let me say it. True transformation takes time and trust. Lots of it. But it's totally worth it. Okay, so. Now, lest you think this is just the Apostle Paul's revelation, I want you to know all throughout the Gospel of John, Jesus talks quite a bit about this union that he's going to make possible. And the night right before he died in John uh, 14, he says this, verse 20. So when that day comes, you will know that I am living in the Father and that you are one with me. For I will be living in you. Again, preposterous. And then he goes on. As you live in union with me, that's our famous, you know, branches, vine passage from John 15. You live in union with me as your source. Fruitfulness will stream from within you. But when you live separated from me, you are powerless. Or as many translations say, apart from me, you can do nothing. Now, he's not going anywhere. But often we live separate from him. It'd be like two people, you know, hating one another, still married, but still living in the same house, okay? Just, again, to give you a poor analogy, Jesus isn't going anywhere, but he is alerting us. Don't try to live this life apart from me. Learn how to live in union with me. Why? Don't you want fruitfulness to stream from you? I do. I want joy and peace and gentleness and kindness and patience. I want it to stream from me. So, you know, when I first, uh, you know, started engaging with this truth and I was so captured by this idea of the secret uh, and did tons of reading, but you need to know, like, I felt often like a failure. Um, I share a lot of those stories in the book. I was also very insecure. And a lot of that was due to the fact I'm a woman, in case you hadn't noticed that in United, I didn't mean that, but I mean, in the United States, you know, the church is still a male-centered uh, organization. That's not a criticism, I'm just speaking the truth. But not only was I insecure about that, is I don't have a seminary degree. I don't have a master's in divinity. 
I have a master's in education from U of I, but that doesn't qualify me to handle these texts in Greek and Aramaic and wow. So I've spent a lot of time reading scholars and theologians and just making sure that I'm not off on some crazy, you know, uh, trip that isn't true, uh, true from the Lord. So interestingly, in the last about uh, almost 10 years, but uh, there have been just a gushing forth of theologians and scholars who have written very specifically about union with Christ. And so I've, I buy these books, and one in particular that totally rocked me was by Dr. Constantine Campbell. At the time, he was a professor at Trinity um, Divinity School up in Deerfield. And so I just boldly contacted him and said, hey, can I come and talk to you? And we sat there in his office, and I was just blown away, you know, by his scholarship, his, his like, incredible revelation of this whole concept of Christ living in us and our union with Christ. And then I loved what he wrote on the last page of his book. And it's one of the reasons I went to see him. He said, you know, we theologians and scholars, we can write 400-page books, which I have to admit, I didn't read every page. So um, he said, we can, we can write them, but I'm looking for pastors and teachers who will extol the truth of Christ living in you in such a way that you practically can know how to do this devotionally. You'll fall more in love with Jesus. And I'm like, I'm in. I want to do it. And that was the impetus, actually, for uh, writing the book. So, you know, my book is, again, just a small sample of a lot of good teaching out there. Now, the first chapter is called An Outright Scandal, An Insight Secret. Okay, what do I mean by that? Well, you don't have to talk to too many people for very long, if you're investigating this, to discover the fact that Christ lives in you, the fact that you are one with him in union with him, it's a scandal. Like, people think either it's too good to be true, it's, it's heresy, it's too mystical. There's a lot of landmines, okay? I'm just, just warning. But yet, it's exactly what Jesus himself paid for, what Jesus himself came to show us. You know, he's not just an example for us to follow. He is an example of us as one who lived in union with the Father, who said, I can do nothing unless the Father empowers me and shows me in the same way. Now, as sons and daughters, living in union with God, we can do nothing. <laughs> so, but it is a scandal uh, to a lot of people. And many are much more comfortable with thinking about Christ for us, but not Christ in us, okay? So, I'm going to quote another theologian here. Um, Charles Gore, Bishop of Oxford. Yes, isn't he handsome there? Yes. <laughs> well, he might look a little strange to you because this was over 100 years ago. He was a very prominent theologian in the Anglican Church, uh, Bishop of Oxford. But he made this statement, and I, I read this to you. It's on the screen. Theology's failure to unite Christ for us with the Christ in us is nothing less than an outright scandal. Whoa. Now, what, why is that? Why is that so scandalous? Other than the fact that it's totally overlooking the finished work of Jesus and with the power of the shed blood. Well, this is how I see it working out in everyday life. 
I picture myself in a, an athletic contest, which I have to imagine because when I could not play sports as a woman. There were no women's sports when I was in college and high school. So I picture myself in an athletic contest. And here's Jesus on the side, and he is rooting for me. Like, come on, Di, you can do it. Go! He's rooting, he's cheering for me on the sidelines. Well, that's a totally different experience than if I see myself in that athletic contest, oh yeah, Jesus is for me. He's cheering me on, but he also, now, he is in me, empowering me to play to the best of my ability. You see the difference? For, yes, but in, yes. Let me tell you a little, like a more serious illustration of how this works out. So you need to know, uh, I hate confrontation of any kind. I'm a peacemaker. I want everybody happy. Well, you don't make most people happy as a pastor through the years, and so you have to have some very difficult conversations with people, right? And as I get ready to go into those conversations, I first of all, I'm thinking about Jesus going, come on, die. You know the right thing. You got this, die. Come on, love them. Come on, forgive them. Come on, die. And then all of a sudden, it's like, no. He's not just for me. He's in me. You see, the one who knows rejection, the one who knows betrayal, the one who knows how to forgive when that's the last thing you want to do, he's in me. And that changes the entire experience. Now, this happens over and over and over, okay? Like, I constantly start living life with Jesus for me. Or maybe he's even kind of disappointed in me. You know, like, come on, be a big girl, or, you know, whatever the voice is in your head, I don't know. But I know over and over again, I've needed to remember, no, Jesus, you are in me. I'll share just one more, because this is a recent one. Last Saturday, my 80-some-year-old aunt, my last living aunt on my mom's side, with, with whom I had a great relationship, she and her husband are driving home to Iowa in a brand-new truck. They take some dirt road. And for some reason, we don't know why, he was going too fast, couldn't negotiate the turn, and the truck careens over into a ravine, which is bad enough. But nobody finds him till the next day. And meanwhile, my aunt has tried to call on the phone. They've tried to honk the horn, but by the time they find them, she's dead. Her husband is not. I'll head over there today for the service. Now, uh, the grief was there, but what I found rising up in me was this constant, how can a good, loving God, how can he allow such tragedy to an 80-year-old woman? Folks, I've been through a lot of tragedies with many people and some even in my own life, and that tension of the goodness of God the love of God, the protection of God that suddenly isn't there anymore. You can't walk through that just knowing Christ is for you. You can only walk through that knowing that the one who suffered on your behalf, who bore your pain, who bore your sorrows, lives in you. He's more than for us. He is in us. Outright scandal, insight secret. What do I mean, insight secret? Well, 
over 200 times in the New Testament alone is this in Christ. Whether it's translated into, for, with, it's all the same as the theologians point out so beautifully. It's right here. But how many of you know you can read the Bible, you can read phrases, and it's in sight, but it doesn't penetrate. You know, or you don't have revelation. It, you don't get the value. You don't get the transformation. Let me just tell you a funny real story. This happened. A, a, a guy over in Indiana, he was a factory worker, and he liked to go to thrift stores. And a couple years ago, he went and he bought a painting for $30 at a thrift store because he had a hole in his wall, and he wanted to cover it instead of fix it. Kind of sounds like something I would do. I mean, my husband wouldn't let me do that because he's really good about repairs. But um, So the guy brings it home, and he hangs this painting, $30 painting, over a real ugly hole in the wall. And then a couple years passed, and one night he's playing the game Masterpiece, which is a Parker Brothers game, and it's all about art and auctioning. And it's actually about real paintings, but, you know, you're playing a game. And he's looking at the game board. He's like, wait a minute. It looks like the painting that's on my wall. It's like, no. And he kept looking at the wall. He did some painstaking, thorough investigation and discovers there's a museum in Texas who verifies is an extremely valuable painting by a very famous artist. And they say to him, you know, that uh, $30 uh, painting covering that hole, you know, in your wall, that ugly hole, we offer you a cool $1.25 million. Why doesn't it ever happen to me? <laughs> okay, my point. Insight the whole time. Insight. But the value wasn't known in the same way. Christ in us. Insight. And he's not just covering a hole of ugliness in your heart. He's transforming that ugliness into a brand new creation. Okay? So, insight secret. I want to be in on all of it. Well, over the next seven weeks, that's why I want to encourage you. Join a group. Join a book club. Because I can't begin you know, to lead you through all the different ways that this might be worked out in your life with your situation. But I'll leave you with what the Apostle Paul says in that very same chapter that I read today. And he reminds us, you know, true transformation takes time and trust, or the biblical word faith. How many of you know faith is frustrating? Faith is fragile. Faith makes you look and feel like a fool. Because you're believing things you can't see, you can't explain, it's mysterious. I, for one, want to be a fool for Christ. Colossians 1, 21. Even though you were once distant from him, Jesus, living in the shadows of your evil thoughts and actions, some of us are still there, he reconnected you back to himself. He released his supernatural peace to you through the sacrifice of his own body as the sin payment on your behalf so that you would dwell in his presence. There's that union. And now there's nothing between you and Father God. Why? For he sees you as holy, flawless, restored. That's how he sees you. We're one with him. We're a fit dwelling place. He's moved in. He's not going anywhere. We're reconnected. Wow. If indeed, Paul goes on, 
you continue to advance in faith. You got to keep trusting, assured of a firm foundation to grow upon. Never be shaken from the hope of the gospel you have believed in. It starts with a simple belief that the God of the universe shed his blood, rose again, made possible for each of us to be holy, blameless, flawless, a fit dwelling place to be wrecked for God, to be wrecked for good, because Christ lives in us. So, Father, we still have a long way to go, but I thank you, you love us, and you will provide everything each of us needs for this journey of true transformation. Amen. Thanks for listening to the message today. To experience more powerful messages, go to vineyardlive.us or join our Vineyard Life Plus community to view conferences, trainings, and special teachings.